Morning, Mosaic. Uh, I apologize about the heat. I don't know what's going on. It was like cold last week. This week we're going to sweat you out. Bring the heat. We'll get it figured out. So, but I do apologize about that. So I'm curious to know uh, how many of you have gone at some point, you've done like a home construction project or maybe like your parents pulled you into one at some point in time. Yeah, yeah. Did the, I'm going to go ahead and assume that that went exactly according to plan, right? Got done on time, had a schedule, under budget, right? Yeah, we've been working in our basement, uh, getting ready. We're, gonna, we're getting ready to try to bring another Loy baby into the world. And, uh, and so we've, we're moving in a basement. We've been working on our basement. And uh, we didn't realize that it's not drywall. It's, we have an old home, and, and so it was like, like an inch of plaster. And so, man, so stud finders don't work. So we went through like six saws and like ten blades, and I cut holes all over our ceiling and found the studs the hard way. And, and uh, yeah, so it's been fun. But the construction project, man, if you've ever done a home construction project, you know uh, that it is, it rarely goes according to plan. And it is often very, very difficult. And there is actually, a, there's a character in the Bible named Nehemiah who found this to be the case. And uh, it's an incredible book. And Nehemiah, he served the king of Persia about 5th century B.C. And just to give you some context here, uh, what ended up happening is about a century earlier, uh, Israel was defeated and scattered. God's people were just scattered uh, all over the ancient world. And, and this was devastating. It was devastating not only because, um, you know, they were defeated and they lost their land, but it was especially devastating uh, because it, it, they lost their dream. And it was their dream of building a community through whom God was going to bless the nations. And that, that was lost. And so about Nehemiah's time, about 100 years later, uh, some of God's people, Israel, were allowed back into the Holy Land. And, and as they made their way there, what they found was devastation. And they got to Jerusalem, which was kind of their, it was their flagship city. And they got there, and it was destroyed. The city was in ruins, and uh, much of it was. And the wall surrounding the city was in ruins. And so word gets back to Nehemiah that this is the case, and it just, it just wrecks him. And, and he can't eat. Uh, he doesn't eat for days. He can't sleep. Uh, he mourns. He, he fasts. He prays. And, and in the process, uh, God gives him a vision. And that vision is, what if we could rebuild the wall? What if we could rebuild the wall? Because if we could rebuild the wall, we could rebuild the city. And if we can rebuild the city, God could restore community. And if God could restore our community, we could live out our destiny. And if we could live out our destiny, the world could be a different place. And it's an incredible story. And in one of these times, we're going to spend uh, a whole series going through the book of Nehemiah because it is just a fantastic story. And the short version is that God's people come together and they're able, amidst tons of, of resistance and all types of challenges, to do the impossible. And that is they, they rebuild the wall. And God does a work, but, but I'll let you in on a little secret. All right, the secret is that everybody in the community plays a part. Right? Everybody in the community plays a part. Right, so some people carry the tools. Right, some people guard the workers. Some people fetch water. Right, some people help with the design. Some people help with the organization. But everybody picks up a brick, and everybody play, has a part to play. Now, I'll start with that because we're on a construction project here at Mosaic. We're building a wall. Right, but our bricks are not made out of mortar and stone. Uh, our bricks are changed lives. We're building the wall. And so every time a marriage gets back together, right, every time a child at Mosaic Kids gets, gets loved on, 
right? And gets taught that God loves you, even when you're naughty. Right? Every time a person takes that step of giving generously so that somebody can come to know Jesus personally, either through this community or through church planting, right? or they give so that, so that people, kids without shoes can have shoes that aren't falling apart, or so that families in Africa can have clean, uh, access to clean drinking water. Every time a neighbor or a family member who you thought would never darken the door of a church comes in here and finds Jesus, we're building a wall, brick by brick, life by life. All right, we have a Nehemiah, and he's a better Nehemiah. His name is Jesus. And, and when we feel overwhelmed and, and this thing feels impossible, right, and, and we begin to think that this can't be done, uh, he's the one that says, no, 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 it's not just you. I'm building my church. Right, you do the possible, and you watch me do the impossible. Right, you can't do everything, but you do something. You be faithful to what I've entrusted to you, and you just watch what I do. All right, we, have, we have a mission at Mosaic. And uh, lots of churches have mission statements. Uh, that's great. We don't have a mission statement uh, because Jesus gave us a mission statement. And it's this. It's found in Matthew uh, chapter 28, uh, verses 18 through 20. This is what it says. Then Jesus came to them and he said, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Right, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. All right, and so that is, that is our mission, baby. To go out and make disciples. To go out and make disciples. To follow Jesus as a disciple of Jesus and to invite people with arms wide open along for the ride. Right, and so if something happens here every year. And the reason we're talking about this is, is every July when we do our At The Movie series, we pick up a ton of new faces, people that are new to our community, that, that get connected during the At The Movie series because it's a great place to, to start. Very unassuming, kind of fun, kind of different. And now we've moved and we picked up even more new faces. And so, you know, as we get ready to, to launch into this next new year, and fall 2013, things are about to get crazy around here. And I wanted to take a week to, to center us. And to come back to remember who we are as a church, who we are as individual followers of Jesus, and what this is going to look like going forward. So we have the way that we say it when we talk about the church and why we exist. The way that we say it at Mosaic, it's our first core value. And it's this. It's a mission is why the church exists. Mission is the why. Mission is why the church exists. I love the way that Alan Hirsch puts it. Alan Hirsch is an author, a missiologist. And he says, you know, it's not so much that the church has a mission, it's that the mission of God has a church, which I love. It's not so much that the church has a mission, it's that the mission of God has a church. And so God is on mission in this world. He is missioning all the time. God is on mission in this world. It's the reason that Jesus came. It's the reason that Jesus uh, unleashed his church on the world. It's the reason that Mosaic got started. It's the reason that we're in this room right now. God is on mission in this world, and the way that he chooses to go about that mission and carry out that mission it's through us. Right? It's through those of us who are followers of Christ. Right? It's by unleashing the salt of the world, the light of the world. It's us. Right? See, behind this core value, what I want to talk about is there, there are a few different things that a church of impact understands and something that we need to understand, both as individuals and, and as a church. And behind this core, this core value, the mission is why the church exists, it is this conviction that we have, this idea that we actually get from the scriptures. It's not, not ours. And that's that everybody needs God. Right, that everybody needs God. We, we actually believe that. And it's, it's not really a popular idea, but, but we do. 
right? And so if you're here and you're just kind of checking this thing out and you wouldn't say that I'm a follower of Jesus, uh, we're pumped that you're here. We really are. Uh, but you've got to know the reason we do this is because we, we love you and, and we're praying for you and we're hoping that God does something crazy and surprising in your life uh, that would just blow your mind. Right? We're doing this because we believe that everybody needs God. And the beautiful thing about it is as we read the scriptures, God intends to do everything he can to see that every single person is saved. Everything that he can. This is what 2 Timothy 2.4 says. Such a great passage of scripture. 2 Timothy 2.4 says this. It says that God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants all people to be saved. You know, in the city of Lincoln, there are, as you walk out of here today, there are literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people uh, in our city who are living a life apart from God. They're doing it on their own, perhaps living as though God doesn't exist, and it's not working for them. And and statistically, I mean, we're talking about well over 100,000 people in our city. And 100,000 people feels like an overwhelming number, doesn't it? Truth is, we're not going to reach 100,000 people this year. Right? But who can we reach? We can reach somebody you know. We can reach somebody you know. See, truth is, we're probably not going to reach very many disconnected strangers. Right? People just wander off, off the streets or find us on Google. Uh, that's probably not going to happen. But we can reach somebody you know. Right? And right now, there's somebody in your life that does not know God, that is hurting, that is broken, and maybe feels a little lost right now, and you're in their life on purpose. It's not an accident. In fact, it might be, it might be the person that you've written off that you just think never in a million years. Right, one of the fun things that I get to do as a pastor is weddings, and I love doing weddings. Uh, they're a riot. And as a communicator, one of the fun things is uh, everybody's bar of expectation is so incredibly low for weddings, right? especially if you're Catholic. You know, it's like they're bringing a picnic because they're expecting this is going to take three hours. And nobody expects it to actually be good, you know? So it's kind of fun to come in and, and to, to have fun and make it funny and personable and meaningful. And, and one of the things that I also love about weddings is I get to, I get to talk about Jesus uh, with a ton of people who are not religious people. They're not church people. And so it happens all the time. And so in the course of the wedding, usually what ends up happening is there's like this handful of uber-conservative, hyper-religious people who are not happy with me. But then there's like this group of irreligious people that all want to buy me a beer. And so I love that. So I go hang out with them. And, um, and we get to talk about Jesus and life and you, Mosaic. And it happens all the time. And so uh, Friday night, um, I, I, some things that I said uh, struck a chord uh, with one wonderful, very feisty 70-year-old man. And, uh, and I can't repeat exactly what he said because we're in church. Um, but in so many words, he said that he, he's, he's very interested and open and would like to come to Mosaic. And, and I was talking afterwards with, with somebody very close to him, and she was just amazed that he would be open, uh, and that he would even be open to coming to church. It just blew her mind. And i got to tell you, it, it's amazing how often uh, that happens. Right? But, but I'm telling you, man, the, the truth is, you love people well. All right? Just don't be weird. You love people well, without really any agenda other than to love them well. Right? And you have the courage to initiate a spiritual conversation. I think what you'll find over and over and over again is most people are a lot more open than you think. 
Right? Part of this, what this means for us as a church moving forward, right? this idea that, that, that everybody needs God, is that until everybody in Lincoln, Nebraska comes to know God, we're not done, are we? Right? There's work to be done. There's a wall to build. Until everybody in this city comes to know Jesus and the life and the grace and the forgiveness that he offers, we've got work to do. Right? And so part of what this means, part of what grabbing a brick means is saying, God, who is that person in my life that you've placed in my life on purpose? Right? Who is that person that I need to be praying for? Who is that person that I need to be, to be loving on? Right? Who is that person that I need to, to invite out for coffee or have over for dinner? Who is that person that I need to begin investing in and loving on because you love them and whoever that is, God, I'll go. I'll pick up a brick. I'll love somebody well. I'll invite them. Right? And part of that is probably going to include inviting them when it's appropriate uh, to Mosaic. And I'm telling you, when you do that, it's going to completely transform your experience of what happens here on Sunday morning. Uh, it won't feel like something that's created just for you or just for Christians anymore. It will completely transform uh, your experience. And, and part of, partly because you'll have some skin in the game. Right? When you have somebody on your arm who doesn't believe as you do and they're at church with you, your priority is what's most important to you and what a church offers is going to change dramatically. And I'll tell you as a pastor, one of my favorite things uh, is throughout the week when I get messages and Facebook messages and text messages and and phone calls, and I have conversations with people who say, you're not going to believe this, but this person I've been loving on, and this person I've been praying for is coming on Sunday. So it better freaking be good. <laughs> I love that. Nothing gets my adrenaline pumping faster. I'm trying, I will take that pressure every day of the week if you'll give it to me. Because those are the people that we exist for. It will change. Uh, it, what we do on a Sunday morning will we'll take on an entirely new value for you. When you engage in the mission in that way, when you pick up a brick, which, by the way, I think you need, and us as a church need, right? Because this is a team deal. This is a team sport. It takes everybody, right? It's not just one person, right? And it's not just a handful of committed people. It's going to take everybody making space in your life, right? For those people around you who don't know Jesus were irreligious, those people you think never, never in a million years, to begin loving on them and building into them, investing in them and inviting them. And by the way, if, if Mosaic is not that community for you, right? in other words, if you don't feel like this is the kind of place where you can invite those people in your life, and you don't feel like this is a place where they're going to be loved well, then you need to leave. And not because we don't want you here. You need to leave because you need to be a part of a church where you feel you can do that. And those people in your life need you to be a part of a church where you feel you can do that. Because everybody needs God. We have a, a second core value uh, that, that puts into context that first one. So mission is why the church exists. But our second core value is this. That love is a context for all mission. Love is a context for all mission. Right? In other words, we've been sent on mission by God to change the life to, to share the life-changing truth about Jesus with a hurting world, but we don't do that alone. Right? We do that together. It's a team sport. We do that in the context of loving relationships and loving community. Your job description, my job description, our job description is to love the hell out of one another and to love the hell out of our city. You can email me on that one if you need to. But that's what we're all about. Because... Every impacting church understands that everybody needs God. But not only that, everybody needs community. 
Right? Everybody needs relationships. Everybody needs friends. I got a, a book in the mail this week. It's a great little book. It's really funny. It's called The All Better Book. Anybody heard of The All Better Book by chance? Oh, man, parents, you're, you're going to love it. You've got to get it. What, the, what it is is you, basically they pose these very difficult questions to, to little kids uh, about how to fix the world. Right? So there's a hole in the ozone layer. How do, how do we fix that? You know? uh, how do we fix world poverty? And then these kids have at it, and it's just awesome. And so one of the questions is this. It says, with billions of people in the world, somebody should be able to figure out a system where no one is lonely. What do you suggest? Kalani, age eight, says this. People should find lonely people and ask their name and address. Then ask people who aren't lonely their name and address. Then, when you have an even amount of each, assign the lonely and the not lonely people together in the newspaper. (laughs) We need to hire that kid. That's a smart kid. Max, age nine, says, make food that talks to you when you eat. For instance, it could say, how are you doing? Or what happened to you? Matt, age eight, we could get people a pet or a husband or a wife and take them places. (laughs) Brian, age eight, sing a song, stomp your feet, read a book. Sometimes I think no one loves me, so I do one of these. You know, with billions of people in the world, someone should figure out a system where no one is lonely. And somebody has. And that somebody is God. And that system is community, and that community is the church. Right? No one, God's plan for this earth is that no one would be left out. Right? That everybody would have and find community and meaningful relationships. And, and being in meaningful relationships uh, is life-giving in the most literal sense. There, there was a famous study done a number of years ago called the Alameda, Alameda County Study. And the study was headed up by a, by a social scientist. It was conducted over a number of years. I think it was a couple decades uh, where they surveyed the lives of 7,000 people over the course of uh, a couple decades. The study found this. It found that the most isolated people are three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. So people who have bad health habits, people who smoke, who have poor eating habits, who wrestle with obesity, abuse alcohol... Poor health habits, but strong social ties, live significantly longer lives than people who have great health habits, but who live isolated from other people. In other words, to quote one of my favorite authors, it is scientifically true that it is better to eat Twinkies with friends than eat broccoli alone. (laughs) Scientifically true. Another scientific study was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, and they actually took 276 volunteers and they infected them with a virus that produces the common cold. People actually sign up for this stuff. And the study found that people with strong emotional connections, people in community, uh, did four times better fighting off illness than folks who were isolated. They were less susceptible to to colds, they they shed less virus, and they produced significantly less mucus. I'm not making this up, it's true, less mucus. So it is literally true that unfriendly people are snottier than friendly people. The vision for us as a church is very simple. Right? Our, our hope, our desire is that every person who walks through those doors would not be alone. That they would not only walk into this community and come to know Jesus and believe, but this would be a place where more than that, they belong. And the truth is, for many people, especially those who have been burned by the church and hurt by the church, those who are skeptical, uh, those who don't believe, 
for many of them, they're going to need to belong long before they believe. Right? They're going to need to know how much you and I care long before they really care at all what it is we know. And our hope, our prayer, is that this would be a place right, where people could find authentic, meaningful relationships and enter into community. Right? And belonging, just you know, it's so much more than walking in on Sunday morning and sitting here for, for an hour, hour and a half, and then walking out. Because the truth is, you can do that every week and still feel very much alone. Right? And be very much alone. Right? And it involves really entering into relationship, real relationship with people. And, and the place, just you know, where that happens for us as a church, uh, sometimes, in some sense, it happens on some ministry teams, for sure, who are serving together. Um, but in addition to that, the place where it most often happens is in life groups. And, and I can tell you this. I can tell you as we move forward together, especially this next year, life groups are going to be an increasing focus for us. Right? To do them really well. Right? To help people get connected uh, in life groups. And so for some of you, um, you just got to know, as scary as it might be, and maybe you've never done it before, uh, God is going to tug on your heart and, and lead you to do something you've never done before over the course of this next year, and that's connect in a life group. Right, with people who, who know you. With people who know the good and the bad. To people you invite into your life. To speak truth in your life. To slap you upside the head when you need it. Because we all need that sometimes. But also to help pick you up off your face when you need that too. And for some of you, maybe you're already in a life group. And, and you're experiencing this kind of community. And it's great. And that's great. But you've got to know the truth is... Uh, we don't have enough life groups. Right? And so there's, there's people in this community who would love to be connected in that way to other believers uh, and unbelievers. Uh, but they're not able to because we don't have enough life groups. And, and God's going to tug on your heart too and, and lead you to start something and facilitate a group in your home right? to shepherd a little flock of your own. And, and boy, you're going to find out that you're gifted maybe in some ways you never thought you were gifted. And God's going to use it to minister to people and change some lives. Right, we we want to do everything we can, especially over the course of this next year, to help people move from kind of this, what you might call a permanent visitor status, to part of the family status. Because everybody needs community. And by the way, we want this to happen, not just because some people are lonely and some people are not. Right? It's not just to connect you in a group for the sake of connecting you in a group. Right? It's because, as we talked about extensively in our Fight Club week a few weeks ago, Spiritual growth just does not happen in isolation. It just doesn't. Right? You're gonna, if, it, it might vary at, at the very beginning, but boy, you're going to hit a ceiling really fast. Right? Life change happens in the context of relationships. Right? As we talked about a few weeks ago, man, your faith is intensely personal, and that's fantastic, but it was never meant to be private. Right? You need others to help you grow. See, there's a third thing that, that, that churches of impact understand. And it's, it's that everybody needs to grow. Everybody needs to grow. Listen to it. This is what Ephesians 4, uh, 14 through 16 says. Such a great passage. This is from the Message Translation. It says this. It says, No prolonged infancies among us, please. <laughs> will not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and to tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Him, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us 
so that we will grow up healthy in God and robust in love. Isn't that great? Right, we talk a lot, of, a lot about God's grace here. And, and we do that unapologetically because it always comes back to God's grace. Uh, we're pretty big on God's grace. Right? And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, man, we receive so much grace every single day that we don't deserve. And so you have to know, if you're here and, and you are seeking and journeying and you're not sure where you land spiritually, or maybe you're very sure where you land spiritually and it's not here, right? but you're open enough to be here, you just got to know that God offers you grace and life right where you're at. Regardless of what you have done or not done, regardless of your doubts, your fears, your failures, you've got to know that God offers you grace and life that can be found in Jesus Christ right where you're at. Right? But to show all of our cards and to be completely honest with you, you also have to know that if you sign up for this crazy journey that is following Jesus He's not going to let you just stay where you're at. And this is not about ascending the religious ladder. This is, this is the fact that God wants to do a work in you so that God can do a work through you. There, are, there is too much hurt in this world to keep you where you're at. And so you've got to know, if you place your life in the hands of the great potter, he's going to start working that clay because he desires for you to grow. Right? Our passage says it All right, three times. This is found throughout the Bible. Right? No prolonged infancies, please. I love that. Right? God wants us to grow up. Right? Jesus moves in us, and he moves through us. Why? Because he wants us to grow up. And to healthy, be healthy in God, robust in love. Everybody needs to grow. All right, and then the last thing, the fourth thing that a, a church of impact understands is this. Right? Everybody has a part to play. Everybody has a part to play. Ephesians, going back to Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, says this. So Christ gave himself, or himself gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You know, I think it's probably pretty tempting to walk in on a Sunday morning and to have a look around and, and to just think to ourselves, wow, they got this under control, Right? That's an illusion. Uh, we do not have this under control. Uh, I think it's really easy to walk in here and just look around and, and think, you know, I'm not really needed here. Right? There's some really talented people here, so my serving isn't really needed. Right? The church, they seem to be doing all right financially, so my giving isn't really needed. Right? There's some spiritual studs and studettes who are part of this community. So my engagement, my serving, my ministry, my prayer uh, isn't needed here. And, and can I just tell you something? That is a straight-up lie. That is a straight-up lie from the pit that will cripple this community moving forward if you believe it. All right, what makes a community great, what makes a church, a movement of Jesus great, it is not the work of a few people on stage or a handful of committed people. It is, it is the beauty and the unity and the joy and the spirit and the energy that emerge from everybody saying, yes, 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 God, I'm in. I'm picking up a brick. One of the problems we have right now, or we're going to have very quickly, if we don't have them yet, is we're going to be out of space again. We're pretty much there. College students aren't even back. We've got a ton of people vacationing right now. It's like the last chance before class starts up. And we're out of space, which, can I tell you, is a great problem to have. But it's still a problem. Right? And for a community of people that exists, for those in our city who are hurting and broken, 
and alone, uh, not having chairs for them is just not okay. Right, and so as we look to this fall, um, we need to go to two services again, which I'm excited about. I like doing two services. Uh, I love it. But you've got to know, in order for us to be able to do that, we, we need people in this community to step up and, and to pick up a brick. We do. Right? And there's so many different ways to do that. One really easy way to do that is, is to choose to come to the early service when we go to two services, which, by the way, is going to happen September 15th. September 15th, we're going to two services. And just an easy way to pick up a brick is to say, you know what, I'm going to go to the early service because the late service is always our most popular. Many of the people we're praying for and loving on are having fun Saturday night. And they're out late. Right? And so the second service is ideal for them. Right? One easy way is just say, you know what, I'm going to go to bed a little bit earlier. I'm going to get my butt out of bed a little earlier so I can make space for people who, who need to, to know Jesus and to experience this. Where we got all types of cool opportunities to serve. Uh, this is a lot of work to set up. Man, if you would have been here like two hours ago, you would have seen all types of sweating going on in here. All types of sweat equity for the kingdom. It takes a lot of work. Right? One easy way to not easy. I shouldn't say easy. One way to pick up a brick, right, is to come set up. Another way is Mosaic Kids. We've got dozens of kids coming every single week. Some of them from hurting homes who need somebody to, to show them how much God loves them, even when they're naughty. All right, our connections team, you've got to know, uh, every, every week, every week that we do this, there's people who walk in here and this is their last shot. This is the last shot they're giving God. And they walk in here. And our connections team is that team that goes out of their way to do everything they can to make sure they get connected with. That they're not missed, that they're not ignored, that they connect here so that they can belong. Right, we're, we're rolling out a productions team. Never had that before, that's for sure. Right, all types of chances to serve. Right, you got to know, we're not done. We're not done. Just because we're in a new space and we got new equipment, uh, we're not kicking our feet back. No, we're just getting started. Because we got a wall to build. Got a wall to build around here. Right? There are people hurting in our city who need Jesus, who need somebody to come alongside them and love them well. We've got a wall to build. Right? There are spiritual infants uh, in our community who need somebody to come alongside them and help them grow up and unleash them on this city with the love of Jesus. We've got a wall to build. Right? There are people who, who are lonely, who need to connect in community and belong somewhere. Right? And we need people who are willing to open up their homes and lead life groups and be a part of life groups and connect with those people. Because everybody needs God and everybody needs community. Right, we've got a wall to build. Right, there are dozens of kids every week that come to Mosaic Kids, hurting homes, who need to be loved well by older men and women who show them the love of Jesus Christ. We've got a wall to build. Right, there are under-resourced people very close to here right now right, who we can serve and love well. We've got a wall to build. There are new churches to be planted in our city, new ministries to be started. We've got a wall to build. We've got a wall to build. Right? Not needed? Give me a break. We've got a wall to build. So grab a brick. Right? So maybe you're here this morning and you're not sure where you land on Jesus. Not sure that you're convinced that he was any more than a man or a great teacher. And you're just asking questions, kind of dipping your toes in. And just so you know, we're so pumped you're here. Keep on coming, keep on seeking, keep asking questions, challenge us, belong. We just love that you're here. Just come, take, take anything we give. It's for you. 
Right, maybe you're here and you're a visitor and this isn't really home, but you're checking it out, seeing if this could be a church home for you. We're pumped you're here. Welcome. Right, but if you are a follower of Jesus right, and Mosaic is your home, uh, then I want to challenge you this morning to pick up a brick. Right, to move from permanent visitor status to part of the family status. Right, I want to challenge you to, to be a worshiper of, of God, not just on Sunday morning for an hour, but Monday through Saturday. Right, with your life. I, I want to challenge you to be the kind of person who, who doesn't just keep everything that God is doing to yourself, right, but who opens yourself up to share the love of God with those people that God has placed in your life because everybody needs God. To be the kind of person who invites people into your world or to be the kind of person who's not just a, a consumer, not just a church shopper. I hate that word. Right, but someone who, who enters in, who serves, who picks up a brick. To be a person who connects with others in authentic, meaningful relationships. I want to challenge you to get off the bleachers and get into the game. Get your butt on the field. Come on now. We've got a wall to build. I want to invite you to pick up a brick. Because this community, you've got to know, this community will never be what God intends it for, it for it to be. Right? Until every person who calls Mosaic home chooses to get in the game, to pick up a brick, to be a part of something beautiful. And I'm telling you, when God's people do that, when God's people say, you know what, I know I can't do everything, but I can do something. And I'm just going to serve, and I'm just going to do the possible to do what I can. I'm telling you, that's when you start to see, and we're going to start to see, God do the impossible over and over and over and over again. And this room and this school will not be able to contain the life change that we're going to see. All right, we got a wall to build, so pick up a brick. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask for broken hearts. Lord, break our hearts for the things that break your heart. Lord God, I ask that you would give us the eyes to see all of those people that you have placed in our life. Those people that are hurting more than they let on those people who are doing just fine and fine just isn't cutting it anymore. Help us to see them, Lord. And give us hearts that are just overwhelmed with love for them because you are overwhelmed with love for them. Lord, give us a vision that is so much bigger than Southeast High School. One that is citywide. One that is worldwide. And Lord, we know that we, on our own, can't do a whole lot. But you are the one who does the impossible. You are the one that changes hearts, that changes lives. You are the one that takes skeptics and turns them into champs. Lord, we're praying that in this next, this next season that we're entering into, Lord, that some of the most influential leaders in the future of our city, in the future of Mosaic, are people in our lives that I believe don't even know you right now. And Lord, we ask that you would use us to be an instrument in their life. Not to just, not to convert them, not to try to argue them into faith, because that never works and we know that, but to love them and to love them well. To stretch out our arms and to embrace them in the love of Jesus Christ just as we are embraced. And Lord, I know that there are people in this room right now and they don't believe that love. And maybe they've been coming to church for years and decades. 
And the love of God is just some disconnected idea that they've heard a lot of pastors like me say over the years, but it has not taken hold in their heart, Lord. And I ask that this morning that they would hear you say, I love you, I love you, I love you. I died on the cross for you. I am right here. I am a breath away. My arms are open. Would you run into them? You are not what you did in your worst moment. You are not what somebody said you once were. You are loved, and I died for you. Lord, may that truth sweep us up and change our lives. May we be swept up in the wonder of that truth every day of our lives moving forward, and it may fundamentally change the way that we live and the things that we care about. Lord, we ask you for the impossible. I ask that you would raise up in our city through Mosaic and your capital C church that is meeting right now across our city. We pray for those churches and we ask that you would raise up a generation of men and women who love you first and foremost. And because of your love and their love for you can't help but love the hell out of the city. We pray for that. And Lord, I pray for those people in this room who do not know you yet. I pray, Lord, that you would chip away at those hearts, that you would draw them to yourself, that they would hear the words, I love you, and surrender their life into your hands. Lord, help us not to go to church, but to be the church in this city, in this world. Lord, we pray these things as a community, as a church, and all of God's people said, Amen.